Thank you, Dan. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. A special welcome to everyone who is visiting with us this morning. Uh, please do not forget to go to the welcome booths at the back of the auditorium towards the end of the service. We would like to get to know all of you and also keep in touch with you. Sujit is not with us this morning. He is speaking in a church in Wales, so it is my privilege this morning to share the word with you. Thank you to everyone who made it to the prayer evening on Wednesday. Prayer is an integral part of everything we do, and prayer can take us to places that we can't imagine, we can't ask or imagine for. So I would really encourage if you could join us next time. We have prayer Wednesdays every fourth Wednesday of the month in the evening, so please come and join. Isn't it exciting that with Easter soon approaching, we have so many things lined up, so many Easter egg hunts for the kids, for the youth. You know what's a bit disappointing? That there is no egg hunts for adults. Like, I would have, you know, liked some eggs for myself, but yeah, I hope someone will organize that. (laughs) Now, it's our custom to read from the Word of God every Sunday. The name of my talk today is going to be a different story. And for this, we are going to focus from the story of a man named Caleb from the Bible. And I'm going to read a few verses from the Bible now. And if you look, the verses are going to come up behind me. So I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 13, verse 17 to 33. When Moses sent them out to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land report on the, and gave the report on exploration. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, 
and it does flow with milk and honey. Here are its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So, could we please take a minute to pray this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. And thank you for your word, the Bible that was given to us because of which we can read and know you and have a personal relationship with you. Speak to us this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just to recap the story, a man named Moses has been appointed as the leader to lead the people of Israel into a promised land. This land was actually promised to them And all they had to do was follow the leadership of Moses and go into this land. Now, God God had already told them that this place, this promised land was going to be theirs. So Moses went on and selected 12 spies to go and spy on the land that was given to them. And these spies went and explored the land for 40 days And they saw how amazing it was. It was exactly like God said. God had told this will be a land flowing with milk and honey, which basically means a land full of abundance. And that's exactly what it was. The promises of God was exactly like that. And when they went, they saw the abundance. They saw the fruits and how fertile the soil was and how everything was just so amazing. It even says they carry, They needed two men to carry a cluster of grapes. I don't know if you have seen a cluster of grapes. It, it basically fits in a plate. But this, this land, the grapes that was produced in this land needed two men to carry it. So all of the spies came back and they were like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like uh, they were so excited about the whole thing that they saw. Now, only that when the spies came back and reported to Moses what they saw, they told, you know what? The land is exactly like you said. It's fertile. It's amazing. It has such great produce. The soil is fertile. There is abundance, just like God had told there would be. And uh, except for Caleb, the rest of them actually said, but the people there... They are bigger than us. They are more powerful than us. We will never be able to conquer them. And we feel uh, that we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. 
And as a result of this bad report spreading, they did not end up entering into the promised land for the next 40 years. And uh, Caleb tried his best to stop these people from giving this bad report. He said, no, shush, like be quiet. Like God has given this land to us. Let us go and possess it. And that's all what we need to do. We just need to listen and we just need to trust and we just need to take possession of the land. But sadly, all the other 10 spies, their report just spread like wildfire through the Israelite people and they were overcome with fear. And because of that, they did not go and enter the promised land that God had given to them. What do you do when your dreams did not come true and it was not because of you? Can we go to the next slide, please? So we read here that there were 12 people who were sent to spy the land and the land that was already promised to them. They obeyed. They obeyed Moses' instruction. They went and spied the land. They saw everything that was amazing in it. But when it was time to report back to Moses, they reported back all the good things they had seen. But along with that, they brought back a bad report. And as a result of this, not just every Israelite people couldn't enter the promised land, but Caleb too couldn't enter the promised land. What do you do when your dreams did not come true and it was not even your fault? You did everything right. You know you did everything right. You had this vision for your life of what your future was going to look like, what your destiny was going to look like, and you did everything right. But here you are, in a place that is so far from the promises of God. What do you do then? What do you do when you're on the verge of entering this promised land? They saw it. They, the promises of God was exactly like he said. The land was exactly like God had said. But you're at the verge of entering it, and it has suddenly been taken away from you. What do you do? I'm not sure how many of us are here this morning feeling this way, lost, lost, and maybe it's your job situation. You had a dream for your job. You had a purpose. Maybe it's your business. You had a vision. You saw it clearly. You saw how good and how great it could be, but you're so far from what you saw. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's some of your marriages. Maybe you had a vision for your marriage that it was going to be beautiful, and it's just all of these wonderful things that you saw, but that's not how it turned out. And here you are, so far, so far from what it was meant to look like. I don't know, maybe it's some of your children. Maybe your children like, didn't turn out the way you thought that they would. And your dream has been taken away from you, has been stolen from you. And was it because you didn't hear God? Was it because you didn't, you didn't follow it? You didn't have a plan? No. It was, it was because of someone else's fault. And here you are just so lost and so confused. Caleb went and explored this land with others and saw how amazing it looked. He actually saw how his life could turn out. But here he was so far from his promises. Next slide. What do you do when you're paying a price for someone else's unbelief? and disobedience. 
we see from the story that Caleb had complete faith that they could conquer this promised land. If we read from Numbers chapter 14, verses 7 to 9, it says, He said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we pass through and explode is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Caleb knew that God could and that he would. But now he is living in a place of wilderness and paying a price for someone else's unbelief and someone else's disobedience. So in the story we read that not just Caleb's dreams has been stolen because of someone else, but it's beginning to look like his life is not just going forward, but it is actually going backward because of someone else. Not only that he is not progressing, it looks like his life is actually deteriorating and it looks nothing like the promises. Now, wilderness just means like it's a wasteland. It's, it's not good for cultivation and it's, it's almost unfit for life to survive there. And that's where Caleb is finding himself in. I don't know how many of you are here and you have the promises of God alive in you. You knew God had promised and he could do what he had promised. And now you are in a place where not just you don't see your promises come to pass, but you just feel like it's never going to happen. You're actually in complete wilderness, a place almost looking like wasteland. And it's not even because you did not believe in what God had said that he could do what he said. But your life is now looking far from what it was meant to look like. Next slide, please. Number three, what do you do when your dreams are so far from you and you can do nothing about it? In the story of Caleb, we see that he knew the land that he wanted to conquer. He envisioned his life there, how it was going to be, the time that the timeline of his dream, like it was going to come soon and they're going to be there. They're going to eat all of these amazing grapes that needed two men to carry. And he just, he just saw all of it. But now his life looks just completely different from what he thought, what he thought it would be looking like right now. And I don't know how many people are here feeling the same way. Caleb got up day after day to a place that he did not expect to be. He got up day after day knowing what his life could have actually looked like if these 10 people did not give the bad report. He woke up day after day missing out on what could have been. There are many of you in this room and your dream and your promises has almost become like a painful memory. It's so hard to look back because it's just been so long you have given it all. You have tried everything. I don't know if it is if it is an addiction that you're battling. You've battled it for years and you have given it all. You have given it everything. 
And when you feel like you've just come to the verge of entering the place of freedom, there you go again. You're starting in square one. I don't know if it is your marriage. Like you think you've given it all. Yes, I've given my all into this marriage. But here you are in a place of wilderness. I don't know if it could be your children who have maybe decided to cut all ties with you and that's not where you envisioned yourself to be. It's too painful to even think about. Maybe it is your relationship with God. Maybe you've been coming to church expecting things to change and expecting like, you know, a new you, uh, a different you, but somehow you are just stuck in this place of wilderness, stuck in this place of no productivity. And I just want to speak to you from Caleb's story today. What did Caleb do when all of these things were happening? When we look at Caleb's life, he's in this place that some of you are in, in this place of nothingness, in this place of wilderness. And when we come to this place, if I, I think if Caleb lived during these times, some of us probably would have an opinion on his life. Like, uh, Caleb, uh, yes, I know that guy. Like, he did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong in his life. And this is why he's where he's stuck in where he is. Or if, if, if it, sometimes you can, you know, judge yourself, be hard on yourself. Like, if... If only I didn't do that. If only I didn't do this. If I prayed more. If I worked harder. If I, if I did something different. Maybe I wouldn't be in this place. The last thing is you might even start doubting God. You might even start doubting his goodness. Like if he was there. Would this be actually happening in my life? If, if he was there. Would I be going through pain? Would I be waking up to day after day? of being in a state of wilderness, you start doubting the goodness and the faithfulness of God himself. Now, let's see what Caleb does. When he felt stuck, when he felt purposeless, when he felt hopeless and so far away from the promises of God, what did Caleb do? Now, I'm going to read Caleb's story after 45 years. Yes, 45 years because he was actually in the wilderness for 40 years of his life. I'm going to read some verses from the Bible for this. That is Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kensite, and said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelite who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have worked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly, relodged and fortified, but the Lord is helping me and I will drive them out just as he has said. 
Now, this is a part of Caleb's story after 45 years. And he is going to Joshua, who is now the current leader, and asking him to give him a chance again to fight, to fight for this land that was promised to him. And he also ends up reminding Joshua what had happened, you know, that that day this happened, we were sent out and the 12 spies were sent out, but 10 of them gave a bad report. So we couldn't go in, but I, I followed God all wholeheartedly. I gave a report according to my convictions but I did not enter, but give me one more chance. Give me a chance again so that I can fight once more for this promised land. My first point is this, don't follow the crowd, dare to be different. Could we please go to the next slide? In this passage and the passages, we we read how Caleb reminds Joshua about how when they went to spy the land, everyone came back with a bad report but him. He stood on the promises of God. He stood on for what he believed in. He stood for his convictions. When they both saw the same thing, but when everyone else saw the size of the giants, Caleb saw the size of his God. Both are seeing, but they are seeing different. I would quickly like to read a verse about what God himself spoke about Caleb from Numbers chapter 14 verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Not only Caleb saw differently he saw what others couldn't see he saw that his God could if he said he could he would not only he saw differently but when everyone came back with a bad report Caleb spoke up and told that we can he tried to quieten the other voices around him and he said we can we can actually do this so sometimes it's not just seeing it's also standing up and speaking up for what you stand for, for your convictions. Caleb did not follow the crowd. Caleb did not follow the crowd when they told about how terrible this place was. He chose to be different. How do you have a different story? You have a different story when you have a different spirit that dares to be different. The crowd is afraid of what is coming against them. You dare to be different. You stand up for the God who is able to conquer what the crowd is afraid of. The crowd says, things of God don't matter. Why do you actually go to church every Sunday after Sunday? It doesn't make sense. It's such a waste of time. You be different. You stand up for your convictions and what you believe in. Don't follow the crowd. The crowd says, why do you tithe? Why do you give to church? Why would anyone do that with their money? You stand up for your convictions. You don't follow the crowd. Be different. The crowd says, oh, it's okay to do some things. Oh, that's, that's absolutely fine. Everybody else does it, so it's okay to do it. But you know for sure that those are some of the things that you shouldn't be doing and those are some of the places you shouldn't be going to. Be different. Stand up for your convictions. Don't follow the crowd. 
You continue to be different and God will bring you to the promises that he has promised you because his promise still stands. Caleb was different. He fought for what he thought was right. And still he ended up in the wilderness, not for a couple of years, but for 40 years of his life. And sometimes this is how your life looks. You stand up for your convictions and you do the things that you know are right. But your life might not feel that way because that it didn't feel that way for Caleb. But he chose to continue standing up for what he thought was right. Maybe like Caleb, you feel far from your promises even after standing up and believing and doing the right thing. So please do not say to yourself, surely then I can follow the crowd. Surely then it doesn't actually matter because God promised me I stood for his promise and it didn't work out. Surely now I don't need to. Now I don't need to keep continuing to follow God. But no, it matters. It matters to God. God saw that Caleb was different, that he had a different spirit. And Caleb had a different spirit. And so does each and every one of you in this room. You have the spirit of the living God in you. So you can choose to be different. I prophesy over this church that some of you in this room are going to choose to be different. You feel like you're not bold, that you can't take that step. You're not strong enough. But I pray and prophesy over you that you are going to continue to stand up for your convictions, for your beliefs. And you are going to stand up for Jesus in these coming days. And as you continue to do that, I prophesy you will walk into your promises because your promise still stands. Number two, don't get bitter, dare to forgive. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 8, it says, But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord. Excuse me, like, could we please read that verse again? But my brothers who went with me frightened the people. Like, Caleb is actually referring to these same people who stole his dreams, who stole his promises, the reason for which he was stuck in wilderness for 40 years as my brothers. If it was me, I would call them anything but my brothers. But this is what Caleb chooses to do. I don't know how many of you are stuck here in this, this morning. You might be stuck in disappointment or resentment. Someone has done something to you and let you down so bad, so bad, and you just can't move. You can't move or move away. Seem to, you just seem to be stuck in that place, that those words that were spoken over you, those things that were done to you. I pray that God will give you the grace this morning to finally move past. And God will give you the grace to see beyond what was done to you and against you. I think some of the people, some of us feel stuck because of misplaced hope. Who have you placed your hope in this morning? Is it truly in Christ Jesus? Perhaps you have placed your hope, maybe a little too much, on your wife, on your husband, on your son, your daughter. Perhaps you have put your hope in an authority figure, in a leader, in the government in your mom, in your dad. And when things didn't go the way it was meant to, we feel stuck and we freeze. 
Did we perhaps put our hope in our marriage, in our finances, in our children? Could our resentment be stemming from misplaced hope? This morning, can you take a moment to ask yourself if you might have somewhere along the way had misplaced hope? I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but put my hope in Jesus' name. Christ alone, my hope is found. Sooner or later in this journey, we realize that our hope and our anchor should be in Jesus and Jesus alone. I just want to say this morning that what people said or did to you is not going to stand in the way from you receiving your promises. Let me repeat that. What people said or did to you is never going to stand in your way of you receiving God's promises. If God has made a promise, his promise still stands. I prophesy over this church this morning and especially over people who feel stuck this morning, stuck in a place of resentment, stuck in a place of bitterness. You can't seem to move forward because you've been so hurt. You've been so let down from things you might have without your knowledge placed your hope in. I pray that you will realign and refocus on the one who deserves our hope and our trust. And as you do that, as you realign and refocus and put your hope and trust in God, you're going to walk into some of the greatest promises over your life. Number three, don't stagnate, move forward. What do you mean move forward? You mean like those 40 years of nothingness wasn't meant to do anything to me? It wasn't meant to defer my hope? Wasn't it not meant to break me enough for me to stagnate and not move forward? I mean, I spent 40 years waking up day after day, hoping my life would be different, hoping things would be different. Has it been this way for you like one battle after the other have you somewhere along the line maybe given up stop moving stop believing stopped hoping and maybe even start to accept this as your new reality have you lost your fire for God because you feel God does not see and he does not care it's not just been one or two days or one or two years of hardships it's been years it's been a long time you are in church this morning and you are continuing to sing, to praise God, to do all of those things. But your heart is not in it. Your heart got lost somewhere along the line. I just want to remind you that God is not just the God of your breakthrough. And if your breakthrough doesn't come in the way or the form or the time that you expected it, he doesn't stop being God. God is not just God when you, for you to feel good. Even when you don't feel good, He is God. God is good even when you don't feel good. His goodness is above your understanding of goodness and His faithfulness is above your understanding of faithfulness. Can you choose to trust Him today? Can you choose to continue to talk to Him even when it's hard? Can you choose to keep coming to church even when you feel stuck? Can you choose to continue to honor God even when you have felt like somewhere along you have lost that honor for God? 
I think somewhere along these 40 years, Caleb felt just like us, just like any one of us would feel. He probably had this journey of doubting and losing hope. But somewhere along the line, he decided in his mind that he is not going to let circumstances stop him from dictating what God is and what he will do in his life. He stopped his feelings get in the way. There has to be a point in our life, in our journey in life, where we stop being dictated by our feelings. Oh, I don't feel like coming to church today, so I'm not going to go. Stop being dictated by your feelings. It's, it's definitely not an easy journey. It's not an overnight journey that today you decide that I'm going to stop, you know, being following my feelings and, you know, start listening to the truth of God and just follow that. It's not. It's sometimes it's a really painful journey where you go from depending on your feelings and just getting swayed away by your circumstances and everything and choose to stand on the truth of God. Because after 40 years of his life being in wilderness, Caleb comes back stronger. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 to 12, this is what it says. Now, as you can see, just as he promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in wilderness, so here I am, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am still, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, I'm sure that kind of faith, that kind of strength doesn't come overnight. He just didn't come out of 40 years of wilderness and suddenly feel strong. That It doesn't happen. It, that's not how things work. Now, personally speaking, I'm not a great person at being consistent, especially when it comes to working out. But... I can go for days without doing anything or no exercising. And suddenly one day I feel inspired and I decide today I'm going for it. I'm going to do my 10,000 steps. I'm going to do aerobic workout. I'm going to walk for a mile. I'm going to, and I do it all in that day. And then I end up exhausted and tired and I can't even lift a finger. So that, that, make that that leads to another month of not doing anything so like you see even for us to build strength it's not something that you can just like one day decide i'm going to be strong today and i'm going to do all of it no you can't it is it is a gradual build up towards strength and i think he made a conscious caleb made a conscious decision to walk with god through these 40 years He decided to walk with God through his best days and through his worst days. And he decided to be in a place of confidence where he can say, you know what, it's been 45 years since that promise was given, but if God can, I still am ready to go and fight. And how do you work towards growing strong? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
Strength rises as we wait upon the Lord. We do not grow weary as we wait upon the Lord. We do not grow tired as we wait upon the Lord. And even if you do, even if somewhere along the line you feel like, I'm tired of the whole thing. Like, it doesn't make sense anymore. Continue to wait on the Lord. Because this is His promise. Those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And when you don't feel like it, wait on the Lord. When you feel like it, wait on the Lord. When you're disappointed, wait on the Lord. When your friends have let you down, wait on the Lord. When you feel tired, wait on the Lord. And I speak over this church that some of you are going to walk in a place of closeness with God. You're going to push through those limitations that are stopping you today from waiting on the Lord. You're going to start making a conscious decision on a daily basis that I will wait on the Lord. Come what may, I will wait on the Lord. You have a different spirit when you decide to wait on the Lord despite of your circumstances. And as you do that, I pray that you will walk into the promises of the Lord. Number four. Don't be limited what, by what you can do with you. But be confident in what God can do through you. We serve a supernatural God. And we were meant for supernatural things. If our God is supernatural, so are we. Let's stop hoping and believing from a place of lack. Let's stop putting trust in our abilities. When we read Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 to 12, this is what it says. Now then, just as the Lord promised, the Lord has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as the Lord has said. Can you see how many times in this passage has Caleb used the word the Lord? Let's count. Just as the Lord has promised. The Lord has kept me alive for 45 years. That the Lord promised me that day. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as the Lord said. This guy genuinely really knew the God he was serving. He knew that if the God has promised, he doesn't have to feel it. I mean, he actually comes back after 45 years, when he's 85, and says, I am as strong as when I was 40. Would any of you agree with that statement? Well, Caleb did. He felt that way because there is something about complete surrender to God and just throwing yourself out and letting God know that if you are with me, I am in the majority. We need to stop looking towards ourselves Am I good enough? Am I talented enough? Am I, am I experienced enough? 
can I do this? Am I bold enough? Am I strong enough? And the enemy's plan is to keep our vision restricted and make sure that we are focused on ourselves and our lacks and what you can do, what you can't do. But let us open our eyes today to see the abundant power of God that is available to us. Because if you could actually do it, then Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. If you were enough for yourself, Jesus didn't have to give up his life for you. But Jesus has given his life for you and everything now, including his abundant power, is available to us. You think you're not enough? What you have is enough in the arms of Christ. What you have this morning is enough. Are you ready to surrender what you have? He's not asking for what you don't have. The Bible is full of stories where God takes the little and he has multiplied it to more than enough. Not just enough, more than enough. What you have this morning, if you don't feel it's enough, uh, let me tell you, it's more than enough when it is in the hands of God. He knew who he was and he knew whose he was. I'm not sure how many of you are here this morning. And you look at yourself and you just feel you don't have it in you. You don't, you don't feel brave enough. You don't feel strong enough. You don't, you don't think you have enough finances. You don't think you have enough strength or the capacity or the capability to do what God has intended and asked of you to do. I once heard the statement made by A.W. Tozer and it said this. God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only things we can do by ourselves. Let me read that again. God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only things we can do by ourselves. His promise still stands in spite of how you feel this morning about yourself. His promise still stands in spite of how small you feel or it, like you feel like you've just, you just messed up too much. You can't, you can't come out of this now. And God is definitely not, not going to use me. He doesn't want me anymore because this is where I am. No, God's promise still stands. And I prophesy over this church that you are going to start looking past how little you have and your vision is going to be enlarged to how big your God is this morning. Number five, keep fighting, persevere, and don't give up. Joshua chapter 15, verse 13 to 16 says this. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Denver, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. In this passage, we read that Caleb fought against the Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. And then he perseveres in his fight and goes against the people living in 
Deborah. We go on to read that he fought and defeated all of the giants who lived there. He fought in spite of his age. He fought in spite of the past disappointments in his life. He fought in spite of being in a state of wilderness for 40 years. He fought in spite of the size of the giants who lived in that place. Have you somewhere along the line maybe lost your fight? You don't feel like you have it in you to, you know, give it another go. You just don't feel like it. It's been 40 years. You're tired. You are exhausted. You're weary from your fights. And you just, you just feel like you need a break. Perhaps you've stopped praying for certain things because you are believing that nothing is going to change anyways. Can Caleb's story encourage you this morning? Can you give it another go? Can you fight for your life once again? Can you fight for your relationship with Jesus once again? Can you fight for your children, for your marriage once again? Can you fight for the purpose that God has created you once again? Can you fight for your value, your integrity, and your relationship with Him once again? There is nothing in this life that is more important than giving and surrendering your life to Jesus and pursuing a relationship with Him. Fight for it. So I prophesy over this church that you will go and you will be having the strength to make another fight, to fight again, to pray again, to give it another go. And as you do that, yours will be a different story. Yours will be like Caleb's story because the Spirit of God is in you. And you will see that His promises still stands. Now this brings me to my conclusion. What did Caleb get out of all of this? What did Caleb get for not following the crowd? And daring to be different. What did Caleb get when he was not stuck in his bitterness and disappointment and misplaced hope? And he decided to forgive and move forward. What did Caleb get out of not stagnating and moving? What happened when Caleb was not limited by what he could do and instead trusted God for what God could do through him? What was the result of him pursuing and persevering in his fight. Let's read from Joshua chapter 14, verses 13 and 15. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kensite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Then the land had rest from war. Fight so that you enter rest. Caleb fought so that the land and the people in the land never had to fight again. Caleb fought so that his generations and his children and his children's children never had to fight again. Sometimes some of the battles we fight is beyond what we see here and now. What if some of the battles you are meant to fight are fight 
for the battle so that you can leave a legacy. What is legacy? Legacy is the long-lasting impact of a particular events and actions that took place in the past. Legacy goes beyond what you can see here and now. He fought so that his generations and the generations after him didn't have to fight. He fought to enter rest so that his children and children's children didn't have to fight battles that he fought. You are fighting for some things this morning and your fights, the result of your fights will last long into the future. It'll go beyond what you can. It'll take you to places that you could not. It'll take you to a time that you couldn't because your legacy lasts beyond you. Some of the decisions you take this morning are just not going to affect you, but your children and your children's children. Who knows, some of the battles you're fighting this morning is for the deliverance of your family line. Who knows, some of the battles you're fighting this morning will help your children not to fight those battles. Who knows, some of the battles you're fighting for this morning will be for the deliverance of Barry St. Edmunds. Because in this, Caleb fought a battle and the land rested from war. Who knows, some of the battles you might be fighting is for the deliverance of this nation. Please fight again and do not give up. I prophesy legacy over this church and over every single life that is sitting in this church. And I speak against every work of the enemy that is restricting your vision from seeing what is beyond here and now. And I pray that today your eyes will be open to see what God sees, to hear what God hears, so that you can persevere and you will walk into the promises. I'm going to take a moment to pray. I'm not sure how many of you are here and you can you hear me and you relate to this. You feel so lost and so deflated. You feel like you had a dream, a vision of, for the future. And you had a call of God on your life. You, you had a vision for your job, your business, your marriage, your children. But you seem so far from it. Why is my marriage this way? Why is my relationship with God turned out this? Why should I try and try and keep trying so hard? But it's really getting me nowhere. Is God seeing my struggles? Is God even there? If God really was there, why am I still here? Can I encourage you this morning? Lord Jesus, help us to forgive. Help us to move on from the state of bitterness. And if we have placed any hope in things that are not meant to have our hope and our trust, Lord Jesus, help us to realign and refocus and place our hope in you. Help us to move forward. Help us to not stagnate. Help us to, help us, even when it's hard, even when with all of our being, we don't feel like moving forward. We don't feel like having or giving it another go. We feel like this might be our new reality. Lord Jesus, take us into a place of moving. Take us into a place of movement. Lord Jesus, help us to stand up for what we believe. Even when it looks like, looks like we are making a fool out of ourselves. When, when we are so different to everyone else around us, Lord Jesus, help us to stand up and speak up for our convictions. 
Help us to stand up because we believe in you wholeheartedly. Help us not to be limited by our limitations and help us to stop looking towards ourselves when everything that we need for this life is in you, Lord Jesus. Help us to continue waiting on you. Help us to renew our strength waiting on you, Lord Jesus. Help us to walk into our promises, Lord Jesus. The greatest thing you can do this morning to leave a legacy is your decision to follow Christ. I don't know how many of you are here who haven't taken this decision. You can invite him to your life this morning. And this will be the best decision you have ever taken. This is the best decision that I took in my life. Everything that I needed has been found in him. Everything that I needed, every empty spaces that I had in my life has been filled by him. So can I encourage you to accept Jesus into your life? And if this is something that you would like to do, please could you repeat this prayer after me? And could the rest of the people in the room join in? Lord Jesus, I would like to receive you into my life this morning. I surrender my life completely to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. I'm going to now ask Shade to lead us in a song. And as she gets ready, I'm just going to talk about the song. As I was preparing for this talk today, I felt like God was going to do it again. God is going to stand in his promises. If he has made you promises in your life, he is going to fulfill his promises because his promises are not like the promises of the people around you. His promise still stands. It's everlasting. It is beyond what you can see and he's going to lead you into the promises. Let's stand up to sing. Do it again. Shade, would you please leave?